Glad y'all are here. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at Stonebridge. Um, I think we have a few seats. If you wanna, <laughs> y'all wanna walk in front of everybody and come up and get them. Um, it's fine with me. No. Okay. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to First Corinthians 15. Obviously, it's Easter, so you know what we're going to talk about. Jesus' resurrection, it's probably not news to any of you, um, but I was thinking about that whole idea of Jesus being raised from the dead, and if you, if you think about it, it's, um, it's ridiculous, actually. Um, I don't think any of us know anybody that's ever been raised from the dead, and I, for us, me, whoever, to stand up and say, there is this guy and he died, and then he was raised from the dead, and we all just kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, that's good. No. If he did, is there anything more significant than that? And if he didn't, then what are we doing? And that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. If he didn't, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then we're all fools, is what it says. We're idiots. There's, we're wasting our time. Jesus was just a nice guy at, at the best. That's the best you could say about him if he didn't really, if he wasn't really resurrected. But if he was resurrected, well, that changes everything. People who study these things say 120 billion people have ever lived. That's the total number of people who've ever lived on the, in the, on the planet, 120 billion people. And the way I see it, you can divide all of those people into two categories, people who are dead and people who've been raised from the dead. In one category, there's 119,999,999,999 people. And in the other, there's one. And it's Jesus. So to me, if that's really true, and he's in this category all by himself, other people have started world religions. He's not alone. There's at least eight major world religions. Every one of those was started by somebody. He's not alone in that. Other people have uh, great moral teaching. He's not alone in that. Why am I ringing? Is it... That Other people have worked miracles. He's not alone in that. Nobody else has said, I'm going to die and three days later I'm coming back. Nobody else has done that. If he's really done that, and he's really in this category over here, and there's 119,999,999,999 others of us over here, it seems to me we need to look at him and say, what did he have going on? And if he didn't, then he's in the same category as the rest of us, so who cares? He's just like the rest of us. So this isn't just, it's Easter. Easter, he rose from the dead. If he did, that to me means, every, that changes everything. And it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It, will, it affects your life. Today, if there really was someone who triumphed over death, think about that. Death always wins. Always. Look, it always wins. If there's a case where death didn't win, where someone actually triumphed over death, something, there's something there beyond just, it's Easter again, I think. This is 1 Corinthians 15. 
Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This little bit I'm about to read, most people think is the earliest, this is the earliest Christian teaching. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That means they're dead. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, that's Paul who writing this, also, as to one abnormally born. That's the bedrock of the Christian faith. If that's not true, we've got nothing. And if it is true, then we've got something everybody needs. Again, either he triumphed over death, and he's the only one out of 120 billion people to ever do that, and we need to take notice, or he didn't, and he's just like the rest of us, so who cares? This is the core of the Christian teaching. And if anyone were to ever to try to shake Christianity, this is where you start. If you can shake the resurrection, then we're done. Paul says that. I said that a minute ago. A few verses down, he says, if there's no resurrection, we've got nothing. We've got no hope. He says, we're people who believe in Jesus are to be pitied above all people. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. For at least 150 years, people have tried to shake the resurrection different theories, different things that could have happened because it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Dead people stay dead. It's not rational, it's not logical, it's not scientific for people to come back to life. I can, it's hard to swallow, I get that. If I was walking around telling you that my granddad had been raised from the dead, you probably wouldn't believe me, and rightfully so. It's an outrageous claim. But I don't think you just have, it's a, it's a leap of faith and it's this blind trust that we have because we're naive or we need a crutch or whatever. I think there's good reason to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. One of the fallacies when people are talking about this is they would say, well, you can't prove scientifically that Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, no, I can't. You can't prove the Civil War happened scientifically either, but we all know it did. You can't prove historical events scientifically. To prove something scientifically, it has to be observed repeatedly. By definition, historical events don't happen repeatedly. They happen once. That's why they're historical events. And what you do is you gather the evidence and you have to come up with the best theory to explain all of that. So I'm going to look at all these newspaper articles that say there was a war between the North and the South. And I'm going to read all of these personal letters that say there was a war between the North and the South. And I'm going to look at these diary entries that say there was a war between the North and the South. And I'm going to go to Kennesaw Mountain and see these cannons and all around and I'm going to see all of these artifacts that indicate there was a war between the North and the South, and I'm going to conclude, you know what? I bet there was a war between the North and the South. I can't prove it in the lab, but there's no doubt that it happened. The same thing is true with the resurrection. Now you can't prove it scientifically. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. We said there's 120 billion people, and only one of them has ever been raised from the dead the way Jesus was. Only one person kind of called their own shot. said, I'm going to die, and in three days I'm coming back. You can't prove it scientifically, but that doesn't mean it's this blind leap of faith. Four verses real quick. Don't even flip there. Matthew twelve forty. This is All of these are Jesus talking. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mark nine thirty one. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man, that's what Jesus called himself, is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. Luke nine twenty two. And Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, 
and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. John 2.19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, he's talking about his body, and I will raise it again in three days. Um, I don't know if y'all are sports fans or not, but there's this kind of famous scene from a World Series, I think it was in 1932, Babe Ruth, he was, most people would say, best baseball player of all time, maybe number two, number one or number two of all time. He's bottom of, it's the fifth inning, the Yankees, that's the team Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth was on, were playing the Cubs in the World Series. And uh, apparently the Cubs and Babe Ruth have been going back and forth the whole game. Babe Ruth comes up to bat, and the first pitch is a strike, and he holds up a finger. Some people say he yelled strike one, who knows. He holds up a finger, kind of walks, points to the Cubs dugout. Two more pitches are balls. Next pitch, strike two. Holds up two fingers, points to the Cubs dugout, this whole thing. Then he points to center field. The next pitch, he jacks a 440-foot home run right to where he pointed. And he runs around the bases, and he's jawing with the Cubs, and the legend is born Babe Ruth. Now, there was a lot of times people thought, well, that wasn't true. There's actually some video footage of it now, and it, it looks pretty good. He's pointing to something, and the next pitch, he hits 440 feet to center field, exactly where he pointed. And if you've ever played sports, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. It's not easy to say, I'm going to do something, and then to go out and do it, especially when there are other people involved. The pitcher wasn't serving him up something to hit out of the park. It's a big deal when people call their own shot. Jesus called his own shot. He wasn't just raised from the dead. He told everybody, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be raised from the dead three days later. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a fluke. It was, he said, this is what was going to happen. You heard it. Four different occurrences, different times in his ministry. He said, this is going to happen. He put everything, all of his credibility is hanging on the fulfillment of that prediction. If he wasn't raised from the dead, you could wipe out everything that he said. He was crazy. He's a lunatic, or he was a really nice guy, just a little bit misguided. Definitely not the son of God. If death beats God, then death is God. It undermines his credibility as the son of God if he's not raised from the dead. But if he predicts it and then fulfills it, it's time to sit up and take notice. And to me, that's God calling his own shot. He pointed and said, this is what I'm going to do. And then he did it, which should make all of us go... There's something remarkable about this man. I told you before, people have tried um, for the past 150 years or so uh, pretty aggressively to discredit the resurrection. If you can toss the resurrection, we've got nothing. And so that's, a, that's an easy target to take. People have um, thrown out a lot of different theories for what really went on then. But I was saying earlier, you've got this evidence. Whether I'm, You don't even have to believe the Bible is true. But there's certain facts that no one would dispute that have to be dealt with whether or not you believe in the resurrection. And again, these are irrespective of your beliefs on the Bible. One thing that is undeniable is the tomb is empty. That's not that's The Bible confirms that, but you don't have to believe the Bible to say the tomb is empty. We know where the tomb was. Jesus, the disciples said, Joseph of Arimathea, he buried Jesus in his tomb. That's like me saying, Bill Dunaway, we all know who he is, the mayor, it's in his tomb is where the bones are. That, that, they picked a public figure and said the bones are in his tomb. If the bones weren't, were still there, well, let's go find out. That's all we have to do is go and 
find out. There's some people who say, well, you know what? They went to the wrong tomb. It's called the wrong tomb theory. Catchy name. Because they say the women went to the wrong tomb in the morning. They woke up. They're emotionally drained. They, um, they're tired. And so it's dark. And they just they wandered to the wrong tomb. And it was empty. And so they jumped ahead and said, oh, Jesus is raised from the dead because there was no one in this tomb. That doesn't make any sense. Because everybody knew where the right tomb was. So as soon as these guys start saying Jesus was raised from the dead, well, let's just go and see. Produce the body. Christianity's done. It didn't happen. They didn't, the women didn't go to the wrong tomb. Some people say, well, you know what? It was, an, it was a hallucination. There was this intense time. The crucifixion was a very intense um, that Saturday when Jesus was dead was very intense. And these guys who had put so much into being with Jesus, they, just, they were hallucinating. That happens sometimes. They, just, they thought they saw Jesus. It's called the hallucination theory. And that's what was going on. Doesn't make sense. Again, if they hallucinated, then there's still bones in the tomb. Let's go find them. Let's just go and look. And it doesn't matter if they, if they hallucinated, they're crazy. Why in the world would we follow them? Some people say, well, you know what? The tomb is empty, but the reason it's empty is because someone stole the body. Who? Grave robbers. Grave robbers don't steal corpses. They're not worth anything. You steal the linens. You don't steal the body. It's not worth anything. There's no medical research going on back then. I'm, you don't. So it's not grave robbers. It's the Jews. The Jews stole. Why would the Jews steal the body? If you read through Acts, you can read Jewish historians as well, the Jewish religious establishment was adamantly opposed to the spread of Christianity. The disciples began to preach in Jerusalem, which was just a few minutes' walk from where Jesus died and supposedly was buried. If you don't like Christianity, and the core of that message is what we just read, Jesus was dead and he was raised, all you do is you go to the tomb and you produce the body. Why would you steal it? And if you did steal it, once these guys start preaching that he was risen, why don't you just bring it out again and say they're liars because here's the body? They didn't do it. The Jews had no reason to. The disciples, the disciples stole the body. Okay, that has a maybe. There was a Roman guard. They would have had to take those guys out. There was a, at least a one-ton rock, maybe two. They would have had to move it. But let's say they did those things and they stole Jesus' body. I don't know why they would, but let's just say they would. Ten of the eleven remaining apostles, remember Judas is done already, ten of the remaining eleven apostles were all killed because of their faith in Jesus. Many of them were crucified. One was stoned to death. One was stabbed with a spear. One was killed with an axe. One was beheaded. Do you know a lot of people who are willing to die for a lie? They might die for a lie that they believe is true, but to die for a lie when they know it's a lie? Can you find ten people who will do that? It doesn't make any sense. The disciples had no reason to steal the body because they didn't think Jesus would be raised from the dead. There was no expectation. When he was dead, they, they were gone. They fled. They, every one of them deserted him. They weren't waiting on Jesus to be raised from the dead. They were done when he was crucified. They figured that's it. He must not have been who we thought he was. If you cared about this, you could read... Jewish 
theology, and there's no expectation in Jewish theology, all the disciples were Jewish, that one man would be raised from the dead. They believed in a general resurrection when everybody would be raised. There's no expectation that one guy would be raised from the dead. They weren't looking for this. They got nothing out of stealing his body. We see Christianity as a two billion people worldwide movement. It was nothing on the first Easter. There was nothing to, they, they got nothing out of the deal except dying for it. The disciples didn't steal the body. So the tomb is empty. You've got to do something with that. The second thing is um, Christianity began in Jerusalem, which might not seem like a big deal, but it's a really big deal. It began in the, right in the area where Jesus was died and was said to have been raised. It wasn't like they said, you know what, Jesus was crucified in India and he rose from the dead there, but you'll never get to see him because that's where he lives now. They didn't say that right here. You guys saw it. Y'all, y'all know he was crucified, and he's been raised from the dead right here. And here there's 500 people who've seen it, and most of them are still alive. You can ask them about it. They're saying, test us. Test us. If it's not true, why didn't anybody say it wasn't true? There's no record historically of anybody questioning the, crucifix, uh, the resurrection, of any alternative testimonies that said, no, he's really still in the tomb. The disciples really believed they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. That's the third thing. The disciples really believed they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. Now, you can say that they were mistaken, and that's okay, but you can't say they didn't believe it because they did. It turned their whole life around. And you've got to do something with that. So some people say, well, you know what? The tomb is empty, and the disciples really did see Jesus, but he wasn't resurrected. He just never really died. It's called the swoon theory. He just fainted on the cross. We talked last week. It didn't happen. He got beaten with an inch of his life. He didn't just faint. This is, um, let me read this so I can quote it right. This is from the Journal of the American Medical Association. They did an article in March of 1986. Hold on, let me find it. This is what they concluded. Modern medical interpretation of the historical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead when taken down from the cross. It's pretty hard to say that Jesus just fainted. But let's say he did. He just fainted. He's put into this tomb. The Bible says there's 75 pounds of spices put on him. He's wrapped up in some type of linen deal. These 75 pounds of spices are put on him. There's a rock at least one ton. Most people say two. It's big enough to cover an opening that adults can walk in and out. So that's a pretty big rock. It's, It's over the tomb. And then there's a guard, at least two Roman soldiers who, if, the, if the tomb is disturbed, they get killed. So they've got motivation to stay there. So that's the scenario. And we've got Jesus, again, beaten to an inch of his life. We talked last week about the Roman floggings. Certain people died during those floggings and didn't even make it to crucifixion. They weren't nice people. So that, then you've got the nails in the arms, nails through the feet deal, hanging on a cross for at least several hours, maybe six hours, stabbed in the heart blood and water, all that, but let's say none of that killed him. And let's say the guy who checked to make sure he was dead was just wrong. He didn't felt on the wrong side of his neck or whatever, didn't get a pulse. So he's in the tomb. It's cold, it's damp. He wakes up. He busts through the linen cloth, busts off the spices, moves the 2,000-pound rock, takes out the guards, and appears to his disciples. Who in their right mind is going to say, you know what? He conquered death. He looks like death. 
who, how do you believe He's the Lord of life? How do you believe He conquered? When He's face all messed up, back laid open, limping. Seriously. That's, that's the theory. He didn't really die. He just fainted. And then the disciples were so gullible, they believed He was raised to life. No. You've seen someone after a boxing match. This is, what, this is worse. That's the theory. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't hold any... Wait. Come on. These guys weren't idiots. They died because they believed Jesus was raised to life. At least give them some credit. You've got Saul. He was a vehement persecutor of the church. His mission in life was to destroy the church. And he turned around like that. Becomes Paul and becomes the leading missionary ever in the history of Christianity. He's also, he's beheaded for his faith. How do you explain that? What happened to him? He saw the limping around Jesus and decided that he was the Messiah? He hadn't a hallucination? No. No. You, no. <laughs> there's got to be a re, there's, there's a better explanation. Look at the evidence. There's a better explanation. And it's that Jesus rose from the dead. Totally ridiculous that a guy would rise from the dead. Maybe not so ridiculous that God would. What else explains the stuff that we know? Whether you believe the Bible or not, what else explains it? What else explains the turnaround in these 11 disciples who bolted and were gone? How can you explain the fact that 10 of them were killed for their faith, plus thousands and thousands of others in the first three centuries A.D.? How do you explain just this rapid expansion of Christianity? It spread like wildfire from Jerusalem throughout the entire known world in a matter of decades. How do you explain that? What's the, what do you got? What, I don't know what you have other than a cosmic event like the resurrection. Now you might say, who cares? Okay, Jesus rose from the dead. There's nothing else that makes sense. But who cares? That has nothing to do with me. That's 2,000 years ago. That was in Jerusalem. That's got nothing to do. I'm trying to live life in Marietta in 2008. And I would say this. It has everything to do with you. It's like what we said earlier. If he did triumph over death, he's the only guy in this category. He's the most remarkable person to ever live. And to me, that's God calling his own shot. This is what I'm going to do. And then he does it. And that puts his stamp on everything Jesus ever said. It's God's guarantee. The resurrection is God's guarantee of every promise He ever made. If He can do that, then of course He can do these other things that He said. If He's already done that, then what makes you think He can't do these? Uh, just two real quick and then we'll be done. Jesus, the, the center of His message was the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what He said over and over again. Everything He did in His ministry was centered around showing that the kingdom of heaven is near. All that means... The kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. That means what God wants to happen is happening. The time when the things that God wants to happen are happening. That time is near. That time is at hand. And you might look around in the world and say, well, that doesn't look too good to me. But the resurrection is God's guarantee that that is true. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the promises Jesus made are available to you. Jesus says, I'll give you peace. You can have that. I'll give you joy. You can have that. I'll forgive you of your sins. You can have that. 
Jesus went around healing people's bodies. You can have that. Jesus went around setting people free from oppression. You can have that. It's all available to you because the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. Nobody has a relationship with God unless they do it through me. But if he was raised from the dead, you probably need to listen to him because he's the only one that triumphed over death. That's available to you. If you're here and you would say, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, or I have a relationship with the Lord, it's not where it needs to be. What Jesus says is he's the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life. And if that's tough for you, how can there only be one way? What about all the other people? What about people who, if that's where your mind is starting to go, I would say stop. We've got one guy. We've got 119,999,999,999. This guy rose from the dead. He called his own shot. These guys are all still dead. And if he's saying, I'm the way, it seems like maybe we want to pay attention. Maybe we want to sit up and take notice and say, you know what, he might be onto something because he's the only one that's actually beat death. And that's what we're talking about here. He's the only one that's actually done it. These guys lost. He hasn't. So maybe we need to listen to what he has to say. And I would all those other things, what about all these people? We can talk about all that stuff. That's not the issue. The issue is if Jesus rose from the dead, He's the most remarkable person who's ever lived. And you can trust the things that he said. What God has said is the stuff Jesus said, it's outrageous. And here's the stamp. Here's the guarantee so you can know you can lean your life on it. He rose from the dead. You can trust him when he says he's the only way to heaven. You can trust him when he says, I'll be with you always. You can trust him when he says, I came that you can have life and have it fully. He says, you can trust him when he says, I will give you peace and I will give you joy and I will forgive you of your sins, and I will heal your body, and I will heal your relationships. You can trust all of that stuff. Why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. It's God's guarantee. If he did that, he can do these other things. We're going to pray uh, and worship for a bit. I would encourage you with this. Um, like Brandon said, people come, whatever. We're all here. We all have stuff. This is what I would encourage you. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he's not dead. He's alive. And there are things he would love to do in your heart and in your life. And all you have to do is ask. That's it. All you have to do is ask. If you're not sure about going all the way, go as far as you think you can today. We'll have some people up here in the front who will be more than willing to talk with you and pray with you. I would just encourage you again. If Jesus, if he did then there's nothing that's more important. Going to eat ham this afternoon, finding eggs, what? none of that stuff, nothing is more important if he's in this category all by himself. And I think he is, because I don't know what else makes any sense. Y'all can stand and we'll pray.